I'm Cheryl, and this is my husband, Byrne, and we are the Thompsons. We started attending Walnut Creek Presbyterian Church online during COVID and while we were at home caring for my elderly dad. Dad died August 31st of 2022. And uh, soon after that, we began attending services at Walnut Creek Press in uh, live. We joined January 8th, 2023, and uh, we've really enjoyed being part of this church family. We both started learning about God at church when we were children and were brought to Sunday school. Uh, we learned through the teaching, through many years of teaching, and also through from the lives and the examples of other believers around us in multiple generations. We always have felt at home at church, and we certainly feel at home at Walnut Creek Presbyterian Church. And now for a reading from God's Word, Galatians 1, 1 through 12. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But if he but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thank you to the Thompsons for reading this morning. Well, good morning. My name is Tommy Branna. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just so excited to be opening up God's word with you today and diving into this passage as we continue on in our series, Dear Church, looking at the introduction of these letters that Paul is writing. You know, uh, when I first got married, my wife Megan and I were living outside of Chicago, and one of the date nights that Megan kept proposing to plan for us was to go downtown to Chicago and to see a musical. And I kept sort of deferring and making other plans and coming up with reasons to say no. And finally, it became kind of evident I wasn't so excited about going to see a musical. And so Megan says, well, Tommy, uh, what do you have against musicals? Why don't you want to go see you know, something downtown Chicago. 
And I stopped and I thought about it and I was like, well, you know, just the last musical I saw, I really hated. I just, it ruined musicals for me. She's like, well, what could have been so terrible? What did you see? And I thought and I said, well, the last thing I went to was with my college roommate. We went to see his little brother in a high school production of Cats. <laughs> and I decided that was it. I don't need any more musicals. Well, as you might imagine, uh, Megan was astonished. Her jaw hit the floor and she goes, you cannot evaluate musicals based on a high school production of Cats. We've got to go see the real thing. And so I was persuaded and we went and as it turns out, she was correct. The real thing is much better and I've actually come to quite enjoy it. Side note, as I was thinking about that story this week, it occurred to me, um, I actually know somebody who went to Aurora High School where I saw that musical. I didn't know them at the time. And it's Ryan Roberts, our worship director. <laughs> so I texted Ryan this week and I said, you weren't by any chance a part of the musical production of Cats at your high school, were you? And he said, sure was, I was the drummer. <laughs> so let me say to you, Ryan, for the first time in person, it was terrible. <laughs> well, I open with that largely because that was too fun to pass up on, but also because part of what is happening in this letter where Paul is writing the church in Galatia is that some teachers have come into this church and have started offering an alternative, what they will call gospel. They're teaching a different truth. And what Paul is trying to do is to make a strong case to this church to say, you cannot accept this alternative false gospel. You can't settle for something less than the gift that God has given you. Essentially, Paul is saying to this church, don't settle for high school cats. You've got to get the Broadway version of the gospel, the true thing, because that is where you will find life. And what we're going to do in our time today is we are going to walk through kind of three of Paul's main arguments in these first 12 verses about why it is it's so important to cling to the one true gospel. And as we do that, part of what Paul is going to be doing is delineating what is the gospel and what isn't the gospel and how do we know? So these are going to be the three big ideas that we walk through today. Uh, first, we're going to see Paul say that the gospel is from God, not from humans. Second, we're going to see Paul say that not everything that claims to be the gospel is the gospel. And then finally, we're going to kind of look at what the gospel really is. And Paul is going to define it here as the good news of God's rescue plan. So let's dive in on that together today. First, the gospel is from God, not humans. So what's happening in this church, again, as I said, is some other teachers have come in and they're basically starting to tell um, a different truth than what Paul preached. And part of their new teaching is also kind of loaded with some accusations that are being made against Paul. Part of what they're saying is, yeah, of course Paul preached that message to you because that message serves Paul. That message is the one that Paul wants you to believe. Essentially what they're saying is that Paul's preaching wasn't so much about preaching the truth, it was about gaining power. It was about using religion as a tool to get the outcomes that Paul wanted. And if that sounds like sort of a familiar accusation, it's, I would imagine, because it's one that's actually levied against religion frequently. 
Right? I think a lot of people who are suspicious of religion or skeptical of it are skeptical of it because they believe that, you know, there's not actually some truth behind it, but it is just a way for people to be able to impose their vision for the world on other people. Religion is just a power play. And Paul is going to talk about that a little bit. We will talk about that. But I think we have to honestly say that in many cases, historically and even today, that can be true. There are many people who would use religious language and package religion just as a way to get their outcomes. In fact, as we read through the Gospels, this is something we see Jesus confronting over and over again. In so many of his conversations with the Pharisees, he's saying, you are using religion not out of diligent obedience and faithfulness to God, but just to you know, forward your own agenda. You are cynically using religion. So we see this happen. And this is part of the accusation that's being levied against Paul. But Paul is going to counter it and defend himself. And making a defense of yourself is hard. It can be hard to gain, I think, a sympathetic ear when you're defending yourself. But here's how Paul wants to describe, uh, defend it. And he says this most clearly in verses 11 and 12. This is, uh, we heard this just a moment ago, but let me read it again. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not out of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And the argument that Paul is making here is, I am not a cynic. I am not here just using religion for my own aims. I am a true believer. I am trying to tell you about a real encounter I had with the living God. And as you read through the book of Acts, as you read through Paul's letters, one of the things you'll hear over and over and over again is Paul telling his own story because he really, really wants us to know that Paul is, again, not just trying to use religion as power, but he's trying to convey something that really happened, a real encounter he had. So let me just summarize Paul's story for you real quick. This is how Paul would describe it. He would say, I had a good life. I was powerful, influential. I was kind of a riser in society everything was before me, things were good. And I walked away from all of that. I joined the team I hated. I was a persecutor of Christians and I became a Christian. I humbled myself before those I had wronged. Everything about my life changed and it changed because I met Jesus. And I'm telling you, he's real. He's truly who he says he is. And I am just a messenger. And this is something that we see really um, over and over again from so many of the disciples and apostles that they preach and teach. In fact, listen to this. We'll have this on the screen. I want you to be able to read it with me from 1 John chapter 1, where John is basically making the same argument. Look how uh, clearly John wants to communicate that he's telling you about something he experienced. So this is John. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Right, what John wants to say is what I am telling you is not something I made up, it's something I lived and experienced. I walked with Jesus. I met him when he rose. He changed and transformed my life and I am conveying the message of his life to you. I am a true believer. And I I just think this is so important. And especially if you're here today and you're sort of skeptical of faith, what we would want you to know is that Christianity at its heart is not a tool for some people to get their way. It is instead a movement of people shaped by their belief in a real, living, and active God and informed by our experiences with that God. 
Now, again, that's not to say that there aren't people who have used Christianity cynically. And again, we'll talk about this a little bit more in the second point today, because that does happen. But the Christian movement that has lasted thousands of years, that has transcended borders and languages and social classes, is not fundamentally a strategy for power. It is a response to God's activity in the world and in the lives of those who believe. And this is the reality that we're seeking to live into here at WCPC. It's people who truly believe in God and who shape our lives around him, who trust that when we are singing here just moments again, moments ago and as we do it again, that our songs are reaching the ears of a living and active God who cares about us. And our hope is that this would be a place where you could experience that and explore who that God is. So Paul's first big idea, right, is that the gospel is from God. It is God's work. It is not a human work. His second big idea is this. Uh, not everything that claims to be the gospel is the gospel. And so again, let me read to you verses 6 and 7. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. So what Paul is saying is that those who are among you, the people who've come in, these false teachers, are teaching you something using the banner of the gospel. They want to claim that this is the good news about Jesus, but it is not the gospel. And this is not just a problem in Galatia. Again, this is a problem that we see again today. Um, when I was in high school, one of my dad and my favorite pastimes was it, uh, watching late night televangelists. And we had a couple favorites that we would watch. Uh, there's one who I will not dignify by naming him, but his sort of pitch was he would tell you about this thing called no evil oil. And if you would send him money, he would send you no evil oil, and it would fix all of your problems. And he did this under the banner of the gospel, saying, this is the gospel. This is what the Bible teaches. Well, let me say clearly to you, that is not the gospel. Uh, <laughs> that is not even near to what the gospel is. But the truth is that anybody who would like to can use the language of Christianity, can use the language of the Bible, can use the language of the gospel to convey their message. And what Paul says is we have to be careful and wise and diligent in discerning what is and is not the gospel, uh, what is the gospel and what isn't. Well, that's a thorny problem, honestly, right? Because the second we're saying some things are, some things aren't, who gets to decide? How do we know what is and what isn't? Some things, like uh, perhaps a cheesy late-night televangelist is a little bit easier to parse out than others, but this is not a simple thing. Well, Paul in Galatians actually gives us, I think, some guiding principles for being able to say, how do we know what the gospel really is and what it isn't? So I just want to talk about sort of his three guiding principles really quickly here. How do we know the real gospel? Well, first, Paul says, we want to measure by the content of the message, Measure by the content of the message. So again, this kind of relates back into our first point. We believe that the gospel is not just whatever we preach. It is what God has said. It is his clear message, his word to us. And one of the unbelievable gifts that we have from God is scripture, which we believe is where he has written down his word, right? He has conveyed his truth to us most clearly here. Now, for sure, there are things in this book that can be challenging to understand, that can be a little bit fuzzy, that can be a little bit confusing. Not everything in this book is easy, but one of God's great graces to us is that the core and essential things that we need to know about what it takes to have a right relationship with him, to be in restored relationship with him, are clear. 
He has told us clearly what it means to know him, to trust him, and to walk with him. And so we can test messages of the gospel against what God has said here in Scripture. You know, one of the reasons that we confess the Apostles' Creed every week is because it is this kind of clear and condensed confession of what we believe God has clearly said about how he works in the world. One of the reasons that we come to the table every week is because it's a place where we are clearly reminded that we have been invited back into relationship with God because of Jesus' death and resurrection on our behalf. So the content of the message matters. So what does this mean? It means that when people come in, like they did to the church in Galatia, and say, you have to earn your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is merited. You can test the content of that message against what God has said and say, actually, that's not true. As uh, Brian said earlier, uh, grace is something we receive, not something we earn. And we know that because it's been said clearly in Scripture. So first, we know the gospel by testing its content against what God has said. The second way is to measure it by the character of the movement, of the gospel movement. You know, Jesus, again, I I talked about the Pharisees a moment ago, but Jesus encountered many people who seemed to have the right message. They would say things that sounded like they had the right content, and yet he, Jesus, was very clear that they were way off base. Uh, The Pharisees kind of always have to be on the raw end of this deal, but they messed it up, so I guess that's what happens. But Jesus would basically say the character with which you live says that you are disqualified from being a true emissary of a gospel message. Jesus tells us a movement that is angry, that is unjust, deceptive, fearful, greedy, accusatory, retaliatory, prideful, or monocultural is not a true gospel movement. Jesus, or scripture tells us that those things are not the fruit of God's spirit. But in contrast, we read in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says this, that a movement of God's spirit, a place where God is truly working through the gospel, has a certain character. It bears the fruit of the spirit. So a true gospel movement is going to be marked by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So the gospel is going to have both the content that conforms to God's word and the character of God's spirit. And the last thing I would say here about how do we discern what the gospel really is, is we do this in community. God has gathered us into a family. Paul writes this letter to a church. We are all prone to kind of go off on our own and to shape things in the ways that are easiest and most comfortable for us. And so God gives us the gift of his body to help keep us on the straight path. So we discern together the content and character so that we can truly follow God's call on our life. So not everything that calls itself the gospel is the gospel. And now we hear from Paul, well, what is the gospel? What does the gospel actually say? What does the gospel call us to? And Paul here says it this way. He says, the gospel is good news of God's rescue. Uh, Here's, again, how he says this in, in our passage today. Paul says, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. So Paul's main message to the Galatians is this. He says, you are hearing from teachers that are coming in and telling you that you have to work to be right with God. That that's something you have to earn through your performance. You've got to muster it up and accomplish a checklist to be right with God. 
And Paul says that is not the gospel. The good news is that it is Jesus' work. It is Christ who gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. The gospel is the good news that we receive of God's love for us as shown through Jesus. And he says it's to rescue us from the present evil age. Uh, the present evil age, that's kind of a, I don't know, when I first read through that, I was like, how do I understand exactly what that means? What, what does it mean to be rescued from the present evil age? How do we understand that? And to help, I think, us um, wrap our minds around it, I want to point to some of our great works of cinema and fiction. Let me start with Star Wars. I think Star Wars is going to be able to help us here. Uh, in the Star Wars universe, for it's, it's ever-expanding, so this is not true of everything in it, but for most of it, the people are living under the reign of the Empire. And to live under the reign of the Empire is to live in an evil age. Or if Star Wars isn't your thing, the Lord of the Rings takes place in an evil age. Harry Potter takes place in an evil age. Batman takes place in an evil age. Avatar takes place in an evil age. To live in an evil age is to be alive in a time of war, poverty, inequality, injustice, unchecked power, discrimination, sickness, and death. And this is actually how God describes the times that we're living in. But not just like right now, not just 2022, not just this decade, but it actually describes this era of human history which spans more or less all of human history. Since the fall of Genesis chapter 3, we have been living in an evil age. We, humans, live in times marked by war and famine and injustice and hatred and exploitation and racism and sexism and sickness and death and on and on and on. And the message of Scripture is that God is at work to defeat this evil age, to overcome it and conquer it and replace it with his kingdom. And the kingdom of God is a place of light and mercy and justice and goodness, wholeness, joy, and plenty. And the good news of the gospel is that God, through Jesus, rescues us from one world and brings us into the other. And the way that that looks is honestly, um, loosely, not unlike joining the rebellion in Star Wars. Because to become part of the rebellion, it doesn't mean that you're whisked off to some utopia. It doesn't mean that you now live in a different reality than the empire. Actually, much appears the same. It doesn't mean that you avoid all of the pain of this world now. But instead, what it means is that you become a part of building the new world, of working against the kingdom of evil and building, this is now leaving Star Wars, the kingdom of God. And this is what Christ has called us into. And this is Paul's story. Paul was a person living in an evil age, and he would actually say by his own admission, he was a help of he was a part of building that evil age. He was contributing to the brokenness of that world. But he was called by Jesus. He was rescued by Jesus and transferred from one kingdom to the other. And so Paul became a part of building the new kingdom, God's kingdom. And that also involved this transformation within Paul, that God's reclamation project wasn't just happening externally, but also internally in Paul. So the good news is that God is at work to build his kingdom. 
which is marked by light and not darkness, good and not evil. Building a kingdom that fully embodies his holiness and righteousness. And we are, because of what Jesus has done, invited in. And when we're invited in, God begins a work of transformation in us to change us from a person attuned to live by the rules of a broken and evil world and reshaped into the kind of person who is creating the kingdom of God in partnership with God. So our pride is reshaped into humility, our anger into patience, foolishness into wisdom, greed into generosity, and so on and so on. And so what is the message of our Dear Church series for us today? Well, if you're here and you are exploring faith, again, let me just say thank you for coming and being on that journey. And what we hope you might hear is that this is an invitation, that Jesus is calling you, that his offer of rescue to come be a part of building a new world is an invitation for you. And if you are here today and you are already a person of faith, then the Dear Church message for you is to continue to invite God's transformation of you as you seek to follow his lead in building his kingdom in the midst of an evil age. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have clearly communicated the good news of the gospel, that you have spoken and you have called us And Lord, I just ask that you would give us wisdom and discernment. Help us to hear your voice clearly. Help us to respond to your word. And God, I also just ask that you would be working in us and through us, that your spirit would be transforming us more and more into your image, that you would be letting us bear the fruit of the spirit, and that you would help us to be building your kingdom and calling more and more people to know uh, the goodness of experiencing your rescue in our lives. Jesus, we love you so much, and we are so grateful for who you are. Amen.